Welcome to CC Partners, the employer's choice. We provide expert legal and strategic advice in all areas of labor and employment law. By working closely with our clients, our experienced team delivers pragmatic, proactive solutions, resolving many issues before they escalate. Get to know us better at ccpartners.ca. Hello and welcome to Episode 6 of the Lawyers for Employers podcast, brought to you by CC Partners. My name is Mike McClellan. And I'm Susan Crawford. Mike and I are two of the Lawyers for Employers at CC Partners, and today's podcast is being recorded at our flagship office in downtown Brampton, Ontario. As our listeners will remember, in Episode 2 of the Lawyers for Employers podcast, we gave you an overview of the changes to Ontario's Employment Standards Act and Labor Relations Act coming from Bill 148. In today's podcast, Susan and I will be reviewing one particular change in the law that our clients have been asking us to clarify on a fairly constant basis, and that's personal emergency leave. So in this podcast, we will discuss how Bill 148 has changed employees' entitlements to take personal emergency leave under the Employment Standards Act, and also what employers need to know from these changes. We hope this podcast will help inform you about the changes to the legislation, but if you have specific questions about leaves of absences for employees or other topics, feel free to tweet us using the hashtag AskCCPartners, or even better, seek out legal advice. So Susan, to kick us off, what can you tell our listeners about personal emergency leave? So personal emergency leave is one of the job protected leaves under the Employment Standards Act. And when I say job protected, it means that employees cannot be disciplined or dismissed for exercising their rights and they are entitled to their position that they held immediately prior to taking their leaves. So their job protected leaves. The purpose of personal emergency leave is that employees should be able to be absent from work for legitimate reasons and on a limited basis without the risk of being disciplined or fired for their absence. So in Ontario, an employee is entitled to personal emergency leave for a personal illness, injury or medical emergency, the death, illness, injury or medical emergency of an individual that's described in the legislation, and I'll review those in a moment, or on an urgent matter that concerns an individual that's also described in the legislation. So who are these individuals that will meet the criteria for personal leave? Any situation that I just described above involving an employee's spouse, parent, step-parent, or foster parent of the employee or the employee's spouse, a child, stepchild, or foster child of the employee or the employee's spouse, a grandparent, step-grandparent, grandchild, or step-grandchild of the employee or the employee's spouse, the spouse of a child of the employee, the employee's brother or sister, And finally, a relative of the employee who is dependent on the employee for care or assistance. Uh, So as you can see, Mike, the list of people who apply for this emergency leave entitlement is quite broad in terms of family relations. Yeah, it sure is. And the entitlement to personal emergency leave itself is not new. We know that employees are entitled to take a day off if they're sick or if their child is sick or if there's some kind of legitimate emergency. So that's, that itself isn't new, but there have been some amendments to the Act under Bill 148. So Susan, what is new about personal emergency leave? CCP had done a pretty comprehensive blog on the new legislation, and you can find that at our website, www.ccpartners.ca. It's our November 30th edition of the Employer's Edge blog. But just briefly, the personal emergency leave previously was restricted to employers with 50 or more employees. So if you were an employer with less than 50 employees, 
you were not required to extend personal emergency leave, although you may have your own leave policies or entitlements in your workplace, but there was no statutory requirement to provide it. And under the old legislation, employees were entitled to 10 days of job-protected unpaid leave. Now under Bill 148, personal emergency leave applies to almost all employers, regardless of size. And while there are still 10 personal emergency leave days, now partial days are counted as full days, and two of those personal emergency leave days must be paid each calendar year. The legislation goes a bit farther. It says that the first two personal emergency leave days taken must be paid by the employer. And I think it's important to note the Employment Standards Act, and we talked about this in episode five regarding employment contracts. What the Employment Standards does is it sets the ground floor minimum standard that can apply. Employers can, of course, institute their own policies that provide what we would refer to as a greater right or benefit. But going back to Susan, which employees are entitled to take the leave? We said it's almost all employers who are bound to this new personal emergency leave provisions. Are there exceptions to which employees may be entitled to take a personal emergency leave? Good question, Mike. There are a few exceptions in the legislation. One important one that would apply to all workplaces is any employee who has less than one week of service with the employer. So essentially brand new employees are not entitled to Uh, personal emergency leave days until they've been working for a week. There are also professional employees who, if taking the personal emergency leave day, would constitute professional misconduct or a dereliction of duty. So that would be architects, engineers, lawyers, doctors, and teachers. They're not entitled to personal emergency leave. Uh, There are special provisions for employees in the auto manufacturing sector of the economy. They're entitled to seven days of personal emergency leave plus three days for personal emergency leave for the death of a family member, and that's for each family member. So the auto industry was able to essentially lobby for some special provisions with respect to how emergency leave will be applied in in that sector. Not good for them. (laughs) Unfortunately, not all employers as uh, persuasive as the auto industry. And then construction employees are entitled to personal emergency leave days, and if they receive 0.8% personal emergency leave pay on each paycheck, then those paid days are essentially unpaid. So they're still entitled to the days, but instead of it being paid, they're paid a percentage that's added with each of their pay periods. Now, one aspect of personal emergency leave that is unchanged is that employees will have to give notice to their employer as soon as reasonably possible that they're going to be absent. Typically, an employee will call in before their shift and say, hey, I can't make it. But if there is another true legitimate emergency, all that's really required of them is to let their employer know as soon as reasonably possible after their shift starts that they're going to be absent. Employees may also be required to provide proof of a personal emergency. And a question that we received actually via Twitter, and you can find us on Twitter, at CC Partners Law, and this question was tweeted to us using the hashtag AskCCPartners. Is it true that employers can no longer ask employees for doctor's notes? Now, that's a very common question since Bill 148 passed into law. Clients have told me that their employees are telling managers that the managers are not allowed to ask for medical information anymore. That is not, strictly speaking, true. The Employment Standards Act is pretty clear. It says that an employer cannot require an employee 
to produce medical information to justify taking a personal emergency leave day. On the other hand, it's not correct to say that an employer can't ask for a doctor's note. You can ask for a doctor's note, but if an employee does not submit one, you can't deny that employee their personal emergency leave day as entitled under the Employment Standards Act. In my view though, employers can still require employees to provide medical information in proper circumstances. Now, would you agree with that, Susan? Absolutely. As long as the employee is not being deprived of an entitlement under the Employment Standards Act, there is no reason why they should not be required to provide medical information in appropriate circumstances. And in fact, employers may be legally obligated to still seek that information in certain circumstances. An example of that would be an accommodation situation. So let's say someone did take a personal emergency leave day, but then when they came back to work, they asked to be accommodated in some way, either through reduced hours or a reduction in duties or something like that. An employer would still be within their rights and in fact we would say legally obligated to get medical information from the treating physician to support the accommodation request. The fact that it comes after a personal emergency leave day doesn't mean that the employee would be entitled to accommodation without providing that type of information. Also, if you have a sick leave policy, either in a policy manual or in a collective agreement that is a greater right or benefit than the Employment Standards Act, for example, if an employee is entitled to more than 10 days leave in a year, you could certainly ask for that information once their statutory entitlements were exhausted. So basically from day 11 onward of personal emergency leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. There would be nothing preventing an employer from doing so. So when my clients have contacted me to ask whether they need to change their policies with respect to getting medical notes, I said that they, you know, we have to look at the policy carefully to make sure that they're not giving away rights that they don't need to in the circumstances because there will still be circumstances where it is appropriate and necessary to obtain medical information. Susan, other than medical notes, can you think of some examples of what kind of proof an employer can require from an employee who wants to take a personal emergency leave day? Sure. So, I mean, if, if someone's claiming that they need to be away because one of their family members has passed away, you can obviously ask for a death certificate or the obituary. Uh, if they're going to be away for certainly more than a day or two, I would say that that would be appropriate. If there's some sort of emergency in their house that they say they need to be away from, so an urgent matter covered under the third entitlement criteria, let's say it was a flooded basement or something of that nature. If you were suspicious as an employer, you could ask to see whether there was a receipt from a plumber or from a contractor. If the request is because a child is away from school, you could ask for confirmation of that absence from the school. Any, any documentation that would support the absence is still a legitimate request from the employer, but of course you have to balance that against you know, what sort of morale you're creating in the workplace and, and the issue of trust between the employee and the employer. So it's not something that we would be recommending people do unless, unless the employer is genuinely concerned or suspicious that people are not actually exercising their emergency leave entitlements for true emergencies as mandated under the legislation. So given the changes to the personal emergency leave provisions of the Employment Standards Act, what should your company be doing now? Remember, you cannot contract out of the Employment Standards Act. So even if you have written contracts with employees or a collective agreement, 
you could still be offside the new legislation. So I have already had a number of clients ask me to review company policies, employee handbooks, and collective agreements. Many of them provide employees with sick days, personal days, bereavement leave, and those are all things that would meet the criteria to entitle an employee to a personal emergency leave day. And if you are not capping entitlements to those leaves, you already may be compliant, but then again, you might not be depending on the language in your existing policies. So I think we would strongly encourage our employees to review your existing policies, make sure that entitled employees are, are not being denied their personal emergency leave entitlements. So for example, I've seen collective agreements that provide one paid day bereavement leave for the death of a grandparent. But the fact of the matter is now, under the Employment Standards Act, if your employee needs to take two days to deal with the death of a grandparent, and those are the first two personal emergency leave days of the year, under the Employment Standards Act, an employer is required to pay for both of those personal emergency leave days, notwithstanding the collective agreement language. Other than replaying this podcast a few times for review and reading your blog, Susan, at www.ccpartners.ca, what else do you think employers should do to ensure they're complying with their legal obligations? So I agree with you, Mike. I think reviewing your policies are really critical. And I think just keeping in mind your obligations as an employer to accommodate employees. A lot of these personal emergency leave days can be connected to things like a disability or perhaps a mental health issue. And so making sure that you're keeping aware of of those issues and and accommodating employees appropriately is going to be really important as employers learn to deal with these new leave provisions that they frankly didn't have prior to January 1st. I think those are all good points, Susan. And I also think that just about concludes this episode of the Lawyers for Employers podcast brought to you by CC Partners. We hope you have found this podcast helpful and informative. But remember that for specific questions and issues, you really do want to get personalized legal advice. CC Partners has lawyers for employers who can give you the legal advice you need. And you can find us online at www.ccpartners.ca. Be sure to listen to our other episodes of the Lawyers for Employers podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. And you can find our entire podcast library on our website. And while you're on our website, be sure to check out our weekly blogs. Find us on Twitter at CC Partners Law and tweet us with your questions or suggestions of topics that you would like to hear us discuss on our next episodes using the hashtag AskCCPartners. Until next time, I'm Mike McClellan. For Susan Crawford, thank you for listening to the Lawyers for Employers podcast brought to you by CC Partners.